Welcome back to Minus 16. We're a little bit late, actually. As you know, we do this fortnightly. Normally, it's Alex and I. Alex is super busy churning out videos by the hour, it seems, at the moment. Um, so I'm joined once again by Hartley from Mac Rumors. Hartley, how are you doing? I'm very good. Thank you, David. So we've been promising to get together for quite a time. And then this week, I put out the, the clarion call. She said, Hartley, Hartley, I need you. We need to talk iPhones. So I think pretty much for the next hour or so, I'm sure we've got enough to talk about for now covering iPhones. And uh, I know that you were in the lucky position, as was I last weekend, to pick up uh, an iPhone on release day. You got an iPhone 15. Yes, I was lucky. Um, but I think it really depends on what configuration you buy. Uh, yeah. you know, I'm a big fan of the, the smaller um, Pro model iPhone, but it looks like if you're trying to get uh, a Pro Max model, it, it definitely has been a little bit uh, tougher this year. And it also, of course, depends on what storage configuration you buy, even where you're buying it from. There's been a lot more chaos around that this year if you're going to a third party. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, particularly in the UK with retailers like John Lewis or Tesco, and they've been cancelling orders. So people have been mm. waiting for their... It's because they've, they've, they've gone over their allocation. So the retailers have, um, have sold more than they have access to. So a lot of disappointed customers this year, I think. So how does Apple play that then? Because obviously they prioritise, I assume, their own website and their own stores here in the UK. And then the big retailers, such as John Lewis, Tesco, that you just mentioned, they will try and get an allocation from Apple for that first period, will they? And they'll be given X thousand units. And if they get pre-ordered or sold, that's it. That's all they've got. Yeah. And it looks like um, either these retailers are not aware of exactly how many units they're getting, or they are aware and they just don't set a limit on how many pre-orders they can accept. Maybe they just don't have the infrastructure for it. But of course, mm. what that means is that if you're upgrading through your contract, um, which is what's happened, say, with Tesco Mobile, um, your, your carrier simply may not have an upgrade available for you at the moment. So they cancel your order and then tell you to you know go to the back of the queue Wait, and you might get nine. it in six weeks. Yeah. Like everyone so else. How did you come? Did you buy yours on contract or did you buy it outright? No, uh, direct to Apple. So I try to avoid all right, of the, yeah. the carrier panic or even the iPhone upgrade program. Um, you know, it's way simpler if you can just buy it outright. If you're someone that upgrades every year and you're, you're, you're passionate about this, that's really the best way to do it. Yeah, I took that. I almost thought it was like buying a house. Last year, for the first time ever, I bought my phone outright. And it was the first Pro that I'd ever owned as well. It was the 14 Pro. That, but just the, the 14 Pro, the 6.1 inch. And at the time, I figured, well, at least that got me on the ladder then. I'm not sure if I'm going to sell it or not. I keep promising myself I'm going to sell it, but I really think, oh, it's actually quite nice to have around for comparisons and so on, and still a really good camera to use, of course. But this year, um, last year I went to store to pick it up. This year I did it all online. So the event was on a Tuesday. Then Wednesday they had their pre-pre-order day, didn't they, when you could put the, the phone in the basket. Yes. And I'm assuming you probably did the same thing. I usually don't bother with that, actually, um, because ah. I find that it's a little bit unreliable. Um, and sometimes people then go into the store and it's not in their basket at all. So, And then that, that itself causes a panic. So I rather just go straight in yep. and put it straight in the basket, um, as long as you know what ah, you want. You're, you you're a wise man. Um, I thought I was going to get ahead of the curve. So I put it in the basket on the Wednesday, ready and waiting, went back on the Friday. The site crashed for me. By the time the site came back up, 
I wanted, a, I think I wanted the same colour. You've got the natural titanium, haven't you? Yes, that's definitely the most popular this year. <gasps> yes, I can see that. Um, and that's the colour I'd originally chosen. But by the time the site came back up, that had gone. So then I ended up with the, the white titanium, yeah. which the one big benefit of it is no fingerprints. Mm, yeah, that was my second choice. You- um, but, I, you know, I get the white iPhone every year and I thought this year I'll have just a little bit of a change. And what storage config did you go for? Uh, 256, which is a bit more than I need, but 128 isn't quite enough. So, you know, there's exactly. no real middle ground there. So 256 is fine. It's never very nice when you get those warnings saying you've run out of storage space. So for the extra no. £100, I think fine. Well, last year I pushed out so much money on that phone because I went for a terabyte of storage. Now, don't hold me up to ransom on that one. There was a reason behind it. At that stage, I didn't have this Canon to record on. So when I bought this phone, the idea was it's going to be doing all of my YouTube videos. I was buying it for the camera. And then within about four or five weeks of buying that, I bought the camera off of Alex anyway. So I never used all that. And obviously I got the terabyte for the storage that goes with it. Um, but uh, I never really used it for that capacity anyway. And this year I looked at the phone just to be ordering the new one. I don't use 80 gigs. Uh, so 256 is, is plenty. And let's just, I mean, there's probably some people going to be watching this podcast who maybe haven't picked their phone up or, as you say, they're waiting for a carrier to come through. Let's try and talk through the, the, the complete process so people have got an idea of how smooth it is. Because I found this year the whole handing over process easier than ever before. Now, I've heard there were certain issues, weren't there, if you were doing it via a Mac or PC? I'm not familiar with those issues, but you did have to install an update before you could move your uh, data from one device to another. Apple pushed out like an over-the-night update to try and address that. Mm. But no, I agree. It was really smooth. Um, Years ago, it was was a bother years ago and it would fail or, um, you know, you'd finally get into the phone, but then nothing would be correctly installed and you'd have to try again. So I think that now they've really um, smoothed over that process, transferring directly from one device to another. I mean, they've taken a lot of cues from the Apple Watch. Um, where you scan mm. that sort of uh, bubble waveform uh, with the camera and then everything just moves over. Yeah. And I think that I didn't do it, but I think you can even do it over a cable. And obviously with USB-C now, uh, that should be faster, but don't hold me to that. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll come back to the USB-C because I've got some some really good news on that as well. But uh, the transfer, in like you were saying, in the past, when I bought phones, I almost kind of bought them and put them to one side for a few days thinking, I, I just can't face it. Everything could go into, from the banking to car park apps, supermarket apps, everything just needs re-entering, logging in. This time it just seemed so straightforward. Within a, an hour or so, everything was working, bar one banking app, and that was my fault. But bar that, everything just worked. And it's quite incredible, really, how poor that process was for so long. Um, the best example, I think, is actually the Apple Watch itself, because um, yeah. years ago, you had to unpair your Apple Watch, completely wipe it, and then repair really? it to your new device, and, in, and then it, um, restore from a backup. So you always had to unpair and repair, whereas now it just smoothly moves it over. It um, was, so it's much yeah. better. Yeah, I, I, I never used to enjoy the process of getting a new phone purely because that's set up. But honestly, if you're still waiting to pick your phone up this year, the iPhone 15 is smoother than ever. Now, one of the issues that I've read a lot on Twitter over this last couple of days is overheating. Now, mm. I haven't had any issue with that at all. And I've used mine quite heavily, even on the setup day when, of course, I had to do an OS update, all the apps had to download. And I did record a 10-minute 
video on it that night as well for my members newsletter i didn't have any heat issues at all how about yours i have noticed that it seems to be running hotter than my iphone 14 pro was um and i i assume there is something to it um because i think most people have noticed um at least in the initial days some element of being extra heat but now i even though i've got the device in a case now i'm not noticing it so much so mm. i wonder if it was just in the initial days where there's a lot of background processes going on um that there is that extra heat of course titanium doesn't conduct heat as well um as aluminium and uh i'm not i, I think it even may conduct heat worse than stainless steel it's a more insulating metal so I wonder if combined with some of the other changes, like the back glass being removable to make it more repairable, if all of this um, has had the effect of meaning that it's just uh, slightly less efficient. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I've been very lucky. And there's a couple of people I know on Twitter this morning saying, I'm having big issues. And I kept checking mine out. And so far, I've been ever so, ever so lucky. And you, you mentioned the titanium there. In, in the run-up, to 15 coming out, I was very, very jaundiced. I, I had a wave of apathy. I didn't think there was going to be anything I was really looking forward to that was going to be coming to us on this phone. It just sounded all a little bit samey. And then with, within the first day of using it, suddenly I'm beside myself. It's the I, I actually I've just made a video that will be going out later this week. And at the end, I, I said, I think this could be a, one of their future classics. It is such a lovely phone to hold. And part of that is the weight that titanium it's the stuff of the devil i don't know how they've done it i think that um it's all sort of come together with this design um because ostensibly it looks very similar to the 14 pro but then when you take a closer look um the contoured edges really do make a difference i mean even mm. now i've got my device in a case i can even tell the difference in the case of the contoured edges um and then when you include the slightly curved glass and the fact that it is more resistant to fingerprints. I mean, it's not completely fingerprint resistant, but it's an enormous amount better. Um, so I completely agree. I think the design is fantastic. It's beautiful. I mean, it's one of the few phones that, of uh, the iPhones that I've really just wanted to hold and, and play with. And on Sunday, I went out for a good few hours with it and just holding it, it was so light. And because you haven't got those really, you don't realize how sharp those edges were on the 14s. They were, they were so angular. Now with this, as you say, with this rounded off edge to the screen, it almost has that idea that the screen's floating around the edge. And it's, it's the sum of all the little details they've done this year, which seem to make the phone so beautiful to hold and use. There's no one big thing. It's all the small things that have come together. I, it's been my take on it so far. Yes. And the only thing I suppose that concerns me a little bit is where do they go from here? Um, because the design is now so <laughs> refined. It's got aspects now yeah. of this flat edge design, but also the uh, the sort of curved design from years ago, because we've got slightly curved glass, we've got slightly curved edges. I, you know, I, maybe this is it now. Maybe this is how the iPhone's going to look in 10 years. I don't as, really see where they can go. As good as it gets. Yeah. Because with that titanium, what surprised me is it's it's such a small band. It's, what, five or six millimetres wide, and yet it seems to have made such a difference. And it's one of those weird things, although clearly the Pro Max I've got there is heavier by about 10, 8, 10 grams, it feels lighter than the iPhone 14. I don't know if because the 14 is more compact, it's more brick dimension. It just, it's, it's so, I can't believe the difference at titanium. I just hope that it doesn't have that problem that you said with being uh, a problem with heat because it's going to hold the heat more. I didn't realize that it, it wasn't as, as a cooler. 
yeah. metal. Well, I think that there's there's a few things that have gone on there beyond titanium as well, because they've also made a they've designed a completely new aluminium chassis that is under that titanium. The titanium is more like a a coating on the top, and of course that's way lighter than right. stainless steel. But this entire internal structure. Um, is also considerably lighter. And one of the more interesting mm. little changes um, which I've read about is um, an inertia change. So the center of gravity of the device is believed to be slightly different and that that gives you a that sense of it being lighter, even if it isn't actually lighter. That's exactly what it is then, because th there's this notion when you pick it up, it just somehow, it feels so light. Because you've got the Pro Max as well, haven't you? No, I just have the smaller Pro, um, but it's still really you've noticeable to me. Um, because I always felt that the 14 Pro, you know, I liked the stainless steel, even if it got loads of fingerprints on it, but it was just mm. too heavy. It was it was beyond that sort of acceptable threshold for weight, whereas now I feel like this is okay. I would like it a bit lighter, but I think it's okay. And it, it, it just it's go, it sort of goes to that fact that you can never please everybody with everything all the time. Although I've got a lighter phone now, and, and overall I would take that. The thing I liked about the 14 because it was heavy, it felt this is really premium. This is special. This is a professional phone. Now it was like, I think, have they, have they lost something? It doesn't feel quite as, as upper end as it used to do, which is just me being ridiculously picky because overall, let's face it, you're always going to take light and, and usable over a heavy phone that had sharp edges every day of the week. And a moment ago, you mentioned the, the reverse glass, which we know part of their whole drive towards being uh, carbon neutral by 2030. The back glass is cheaper and easier to remove. And uh, one of the side points of that, I feel, is when you feel the back of the phones, it does that you can hear it's almost off the surface. The, the old phone, I'm sure the glass was closer to whatever mm. was behind it. And I'm wondering if that's part of what's making it so easy to repair now because it's not bonded or, or attached to anything. It just feels it, it, that one was much, much tighter feel to it on the back. So I don't know if there's something, I haven't looked at any of the teardowns. I'm sure there's, there's plenty on, online, but the construction of the back of the phone feels slightly different. No, that's exactly what it is. Um, previously with iPhone repairs, everything had to be accessed through the front. So if you wanted to replace any of the components, you had to take the display off and then everything was sort of layered in and sandwiched in and everything had to right. come out that way. Whereas now you can remove the back as well. So if you want to enter from the back and access those components, you can now do that, which makes it much easier. Um, and even if you need to replace the back glass, because of course, you know, it can shatter, um, then that's yeah, the yeah. case. But this actually debuted on the 14 and 14 plus. Um, even though the 14 Pro did not have this repairability feature with this aluminium frame inside. And so they've actually brought this feature over from the standard models of the last generation. And we will be hung to slaughter if we don't mention the bezels as well, because everybody mm. loves talking bezels. And I don't, I don't know if I'm alone. Until I started doing this, writing, making videos about Apple Gear, I didn't realise what a hot topic bezels were. They never worried me. I don't know if I'm alone in that, but they just never worried me. Suddenly now everything is all about the bezels being on the studio display, on the IMAX, the chin on the IMAX, and of course the bezels on the phone. But this year, these bezels are super slim, which again ties into that rounded edge and the, 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 the design of the glass, isn't it? It all goes towards this feeling of slimness. Yeah, I think it's really noticeable. And the thing that I'm most mm. pleased about is when this was in the rumor cycle, because we heard about this a long time before the device launched, um, I understood that what Apple was doing was making the display bigger. 
as a result. So they would keep the frame of the device compared to the 14 Pro effectively the same size, but use that couple of extra millimeters to make the display bigger. But they haven't done that. What they have done is actually shrink the whole device very slightly which just makes it that little bit easier to hold. It, it just feels ever so slightly more, um, uh, just just more maneuverable and, and just more pleasant, as, as you say. It just enhances mm. that design. Um, I think it's all going to go next year with the iPhone 16, unfortunately, um, but that's possibly getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Do you think that, I mean, if we begin talking about USDC, which funnily enough has been the thing that I've been probably least taken or I spent less time thinking or using than anything else like you, I wireless charge. Um, but do you think that Apple ideally would have rather have gone portless before going USB-C? And if they do have this wish to go portless, what will they do about file transfers? Because that has changed, and I'll come on to that in a minute, but I mean, they have cracked that on, on the Pro Max. It is stunning now, absolutely stunning. But do you think that their ultimate goal is to go portless? I think it was. I think if 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 we'd had an insight into what Apple was discussing five or 10 years ago, I think that absolutely would have been the case. Now, I'm not so mm. sure. Um, and I think that the advantages of um, uh, data transfer over a wired connection for professional applications, which is clearly what they're targeting with the Pro models, the ability to mm. shoot ProRAW and immediately transfer that using professional image capture applications to a Mac, um, they can't really take that away without providing a wireless solution. So I think that's that maybe long term, that's what they're aiming for in 10 years, 15 years. But I don't think that's remotely, um, remotely on the on the horizon for now, because they can still go to Thunderbolt, they can they can put a Thunderbolt five port on this now. Yeah, of course, <laughs> I, I made a video recently talking about are the rumor mongers dead. They got so much wrong this year and it was not comical and but that they got a lot wrong. We just we'll just leave it there. But we were all told about a Thunderbolt 4 port coming to the phone. And in the end what Apple gave us with this idea of being able to plug uh, a 3.20 USB drive uh, SSD drive into the into the phone. It works so well. So the video that we're coming out in a few days time I shot entirely on the iPhone. I spoke for about 25 minutes in ProRes 24, uh, 4K 24 FPS. It was an 85 gig file and it was straight on the SD and it transferred over in about two minutes. It was so 85 gigs in two minutes. It was so easy to use. Last year when I tried to do it via the lightning cable and the only way I could work out to do it was via image capture, it took about 45 minutes to 50 minutes, two minutes. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It is now a professional phone. I know Capture One have uh, partnered up with Apple as well. We saw that in the event. But it is now, if you wanted to use that professionally, it is such a usable tool. I, I will say that AirDrop has got a lot better with iOS 17. And it even to me seems to be better with the iPhone 15 Pro compared to the 14 Pro. And I have been shocked at the, at the speed of AirDrop. And even with other changes like uh, the ability to do AirDrop over Wi-Fi, uh, not over Wi-Fi now. So if you don't actually have to be in the same place as someone you're AirDropping mm. to, um, they obviously are building up the infrastructure to really long-term prepare for some sort of portless existence with these devices. But maybe we'll see it um, 
with some future version of airdrop maybe with a third generation ultra wideband chip that can communicate locally and you oh, get you know high speed yeah yeah you know high speed data transfer something like that um but who knows i don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon I, I watching the event when they said about the ssd i couldn't work out quite how it was going to work and i wondered if you have to configure something or if it'd be quite complicated and convoluted but it really isn't have you tried it yet no i haven't it's so simple you you simply plug in i bought a samsung t7 ssd because it was a quick data transfers for the phone so i I spent quite a lot of time checking i was getting the right drive for it because i wanted to maximize the workflow and it just says on the bottom of the screen ssd and it just records straight to it so it's not taking up any storage on your phone it's not like you need to remember to delete it off the phone at all you don't have to transfer it from the phone it's just directly on the drive it's it's so good it's better than thunderbolt 4 would have been it is so quick yes you have to buy yourself the right drive to really maximize it but honestly if you're thinking of using the phone for video work heavy video i would say 85 gigs in two minutes I mean, that's, you know, I didn't have time to make a coffee. It's so, so quick. It, it just blew me away. It was, it was the cherry on the cake. I'd been enjoying the phone anyway. And then I'd taken a decision. I thought I should shoot this week's video on the iPhone in log. Um, and it was just a joy, an absolute joy to work with. So that'll be out later in the, in the week. What about battery life? How are you finding that in the first few days? Uh, the same as my 14 Pro, I suppose, which is not very good. Mm. Um, but we weren't <laughs> expecting battery life improvements with this device. Well, I suppose I went to we weren't expecting it because I think in the rumor cycle, we were a little bit. Um, and especially with the uh, A17 going to three nanometer, I think we were rightly expecting some sort of efficiency improvements that would have resulted in better battery life. That hasn't happened. And I certainly haven't experienced better battery life. What about you? No, no, I've had... Good and bad days. The first day when I was setting it up, I mean, out of the box, I think it comes about 70, 75%. And that day it did all of the transfer of the of my data and apps, app updates, iOS updates, and recorded a 10 minute video. And when I left here, it still had about 40% on 35%. So I did a lot of work. And I thought, we're away with the races. I thought that they've sorted it. But in the intervening days, I've had good days and bad days. Today it's a lot better. Um, I haven't had on charger since this morning. And it's still got 75% on. Now, this is something you're responsible for something and you don't know this. You are responsible for me flicking my battery to 80% maximum charging. Why did, Why have I done that? Other than the fact I saw you say on Twitter, so I figured it must be true. Other, other than being a lemming and following like a sheep, why have I done that? Explain that to us. So uh, it's not for everyone, but the advantage of doing this is that you uh, it just causes less wear and tear on your battery. Um, because when batteries are fully charged, um, it causes them to degrade faster. So if you limit the battery capacity to 80%, you're putting less wear on your battery and therefore your battery health is, health is more likely to be preserved. Now, I will say if you upgrade every year, it probably doesn't matter so much. Um, and, mm-hmm. But it depends on your use case. So for me, the reason why I turned it on, even though I probably will upgrade next year, is because I'm charging my device all day. Um, I, you know, I charge it on my desk. I charge it overnight. It's so rare that it's off a charger that it would seem mm. silly to allow it to go up to 100%. If I go out for the day, then I'll turn that setting off. I wish you could access it in shortcuts, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But um, you know, it really only ma- it's only if, say, you charged a lot or if you are thinking of keeping your device for three years and you really want to preserve that battery. Right, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. And that's all. I know they're very different 
battery units. That's almost the same with cars, isn't it? They they have this sweet spot of charging mm. sort of from 75, 85% down to 20% or something. That's the range they seem to like to work in. And from what you're saying, that's similar with the, the batteries we've got in iPhone. Yeah, that's definitely the case. Um, and it's because we've sort of, we've reached a limit on what Apple can do with the battery technology at this point. The next big upgrade we have to look forward to is stacked battery technology, which is actually the sort of technology that's used in EVs, which gets more capacity out of a, the, the same size of battery. Um, but mm. the main thing that will lead to best battery life is making the device bigger, which of course is what's going to happen next year. Mm. Oh, yes, that's right. I heard the devices are going up to 6.9, aren't they? Six. Yeah, so it'll go from 6.1 uh, 6 to 6.3 and 6.7 to 6.9. So quite a bit bigger. Yeah, sizable. Um, and that's because mm. they need more space for uh, internal components and battery life and uh, things like this Tetra Prism camera coming down to the, the slightly smaller Pro. And how much playtime have you had with the cameras on the phone so far? Because, of course, if you've got the 14, you have the 15 Pro, you haven't got the Tetra Prism, have you? No, I don't. And almost all the hardware is exactly the same. Uh, it's the software yeah. features that are different. So it's things like next-generation portraits, smart HDR5. Um, I mean, I quite like playing around with the next-generation portraits, but I can't say I've really noticed anything that different because the hardware is ultimately the same. There's things like you get an anti a different anti-reflective coating on all the lenses now, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know if that really makes a difference. I can't really see it just in the in the few days I've had so far. And it sounds suspiciously like I'm stalking on Twitter. Miss you. I do have a life. I don't spend all my time reading your tweets. But you put up one that made me smile last night saying, does anybody actually still use photographic styles? I'd almost forgotten they were there. I don't think I've ever, ever turned them on. Yeah, it was a headline feature of the iPhone 13 Pro. Um, it was the That's one right. yeah. iPhone I didn't upgrade to. Since I started buying iPhones uh, in 2012, I've upgraded every year. Um, but the iPhone 13 Pro was the one year I didn't because of features like that. I just didn't care. Um, and mm. I've just, every time I go back into settings and I have a little look at that, that feature and I sort of think, do I want to turn it on? And then I think, no, cause why would it, you know, why do I want to change what's coming out of the camera in that way? I can just put a filter on it later. Why is this making any difference exactly. to anything? I don't get it. Other, you know, everyone slated me in the comments on that tweet saying, oh yes, I use it all the time, but I don't get it personally. No, because surely, uh, I think what it does is basically bake in a look to all of your photos, mm. doesn't it? That's the idea of it. Yeah, and so sort of just the right balance the, or, you know, the, the, the colour science of the image. Tonals, yeah. And, but surely part of the joy of photography is that each picture should be a little bit different. You don't want one look for all, do you? I wouldn't have thought that's my reason for not using it. I like the individuality of what I'm working on at that particular time. I mean, I imagine that some, in some use cases, some professional photographers that have that really like a certain kind of look and understand how to achieve that may want to bring that over mm. to their iPhone. But it isn't particularly sort of um, granular, the amount of control you have. You can just control, I think it literally is just like um, warm to cool and... Uh, I don't know white white balance, but that's it. It's not it's not really you know a, a serious level of control. But as I say, I do stand corrected because I don't know there were like a hundred comments on this tweet saying, "Oh yes, I, I turn it on the minute I get my new iPhone." So you know what do I know? Well, it's you and me in a corner by ourselves. Then no, never use them. No interest to me at all. And of course, what goes sort of hand in glove with the new phone is iOS seventeen came out just the week before, as it always does. Um, I'm taking you've had a good chance to play around with that and find some of your favorite bits and pieces. Now, what are you finding are the, are the big winners for you this year on the iOS? Oh, um, 
Oh, it's actually, you know, it's a bit tricky because when you've been beta testing it for so long, it's, it's almost of sort of... Of course, you're one of those, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it sort of, it blurs into one for me. But um, I've really enjoyed uh, the change of the um, Siri keyword. It just makes me feel a bit less ridiculous. I think especially mm-hmm. uh, for British users, I don't think we like saying, hey, I think it makes us feel a bit, I think it makes <laughs> us feel a bit silly. Um, so uh, I've, I've enjoyed the fact that I can feel a, a bit more dignified um, when I want to use Siri. Um, I quite like interactive widgets. It's useful for things like reminders. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a, iOS 17 has been a relatively incremental update. Um, Watch OS 10, I'm, I'm really excited about, but iOS 17. That yeah. I keep finding. As you know, iPads, I still am not an iPad user. The predictive text in iMessage now, I Ooh. love the way it comes yeah. up in grey, but it's so much more accurate. It's trying to finish your sentence. It's not just one word. It's finishing off whole sentences for you. It's two or three little words. That, I think, is a real winner for me. Yeah, I love that's that. A, that's a great feature. And that's ultimately AI-powered. So we are seeing mm. Apple taking advantage of artificial intelligence in small ways now, even if they're not actually saying that they are. That's what's behind that feature. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, and the more I've used it, the more it picks up my vernacular. It knows the words that I tend to use most regularly. And, it, and it, it's becoming... Not faultless, but it's really not bad. And, and the suggestions it's coming up with, nine times out of ten, are probably the words I was going to use anyway. So it really is beginning to learn. I thought I'd use the, the nightstand more mm. than I have. And I guess possibly because, like you, I, I, it's charged all day long anyway. I, For my sins, I wear AirPods in bed and listen to podcasts anyway. So I'm not really looking at the phone. I thought I would have used that a lot. It looks really good. It was under the, the headline features because it looks so pretty but i've never used it have you i can't i can't believe i actually forgot about that one because i actually use that a, a lot um i don't use it on the nightstand um but i do use it on my desk because i have a belkin magsafe charger that leaves the phone in that upright position directly in front of me under my monitor so i every mm. day just put my device on that and before i was just looking at a you know uh, an always on display that was um you know sideways so it was completely pointless. Whereas now, um, you know, I put my calendar on there and, you know, I have a clock or the t- weather or my um, task manager and the widget, the widgets change throughout the day in the smart stack. So I do actually find it really useful on a desk. Nightstand I can give or take, um, but I do like it on my desk. And I've just... Um One of the things I've actually personalised my... I can't really show... It won't show up particularly, but I've actually... You, you know of Knoopsy, don't you? I'm sure you know of yes. Knoopsy. Um, and, you know, he's a really talented artist. So he sold these lovely wallpapers. So I bought some very retro, typical of him, really retro wallpapers and icons. And I've changed the icons for some of the three main apps on the yeah, phone. I saw you these really about retro it. black and white. It looks gorgeous. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And to do that, you had to go into settings and uh, I've gone blank on name, um, when not smart stacks, it's when you're setting up. So I'm right by a row. So if you're here, <laughs> I record my all my A roll for the videos here, but normally it's at night. And I just thought it's a nicer place to record. So hopefully the road noise isn't too bad. If you're listening on an audio podcast, I'll try and sort it out. I promise you. Um, yes, it's when to set those up, I had to go into shortcuts. And I have never utilized shortcuts properly. So again, I'm going to throw the floor open to you and learn me. I need to know more about shortcuts and how to use them better. Because I know, obviously, we can use it on the action button now as well. I mean, I've got yeah. mine set to the camera at the moment. But with shortcuts, you're pretty limitless as to what you can do, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on, on... I wouldn't say it's limitless because there are things that I'd love to be there, like, um, uh, like I say, the ability to set that 80% uh, battery condition. I'd love that to be a shortcut action, but mm. it isn't. Um, I'd even like things to be able to remove songs from my Apple Music library, but that isn't an action. So there are certain limits, but every year Apple throws a bunch more actions in there. Um, but I do use shortcuts quite a lot, um, and I find it really accessible. What would be some of the main ones you use? Um, and how much time do they actually save? That's what I'm trying to understand. I've never used shortcuts, and I've never understood how they can be that much quicker than just opening an application. I don't know if they're, it's that they're faster, at least for the stuff I do, but I like the ability... So what shortcuts do you use then? Um, so I have things like I can say to Siri um, that I'm starting work, and it will switch to my work focus. It will, if it will move my work calendar event to that time... So it will update my calendar and it will also correct the end of that calendar Fine. event. Um, and then it will uh, play some music I like while I'm working and it will even change my Slack status as well if I want it to. Um, so instead of going around and doing all those things and I have right, a calendar yeah. event myself, that's just quite convenient. Um, and I don't know if I do things like um, uh, set certain timers and I want Do Not Disturb to be on for the duration of that timer. I can do that um, just the tap mm. of a button. Um, so, you know, I don't do anything particularly complicated, but I do find them useful. And I like it more as a control panel to let me do multiple things at once rather than do, you know, super complicated things or to save me opening an app. Because of course, there are certain shortcuts that Apple give you as presets, as ones to get started. And then you can go in and build your own. I mean, with those icons that I did yesterday for Safari, for telephone and mail, I had to go into shortcuts, find the app, and then I had to rename the app and add the add the command open app up to it. And that's kind of what makes it work. But I, it was my first little look into shortcuts. It kind of got me interested because the nerd that I am, I want to use them. And I'm thinking what you just said there, perhaps the fact that I work alone, well, I do work alone all the time, and I don't have to collaborate with, obviously, you with Macroom as you're working with a team of people around the world. And that needs more cohesion, doesn't it? It needs more, uh, you need, your time needs to be better managed than mine, whereas I can pretty much do what I want when I want. You've got to work with other colleagues as well. So I'm guessing shortcuts would help you there, particularly with the work modes, as you were saying. Uh, to, to some extent, but I don't know. I just like tinkering. I just like tinkering with these things. Um, and I quite like uh, sort of coming up with pointless, you know, productivity solutions. So if I can find a way to create a shortcut that will move um, certain tasks in my task manager to the evening, um, and then if I miss those tasks the next mm -hmm. day in the middle of the night, it will run automatically to then move those tasks to the morning. I quite like all that stuff. I mean, it's on. very time consuming, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it's just a bit of fun if you like tinkering. Oh, talk about time consuming. Yesterday, it must have taken, the, the, obviously, putting the wallpapers on was dead easy. Putting those icons on was not straightforward. And it took me time. And I was sitting there thinking, there's stuff I should be doing. And I thought, I was excused myself by saying, no, I'm making a video later on. I need those icons on the phone so I can take a video because it's all part of what I worked into the video. So I needed to do it. But man alive, it wasn't very straightforward. <laughs> I was beginning to lose the will to live by about 45 minutes into it, but it's done now. And it's like anything. Once I've done the first one, the other two were dead straightforward and easy to do. So if you need to set your icons up, I can remember it just. Let me know and I'll try to help. Now, you mentioned watch, and I quite agree with you. The watch, I was uh, looking at the, the workout app, for instance, now, and 
when you finish a workout, like an outdoor walk or something, whereas before it was quite manual in, in the, the whole user face, the whole UI is so, so much cleaner now. And the smart stacks are fantastic. The amount of information you can get to weather is being the obvious one, but you can just get so much so, so quickly now, can't you? The, what you? the whole watch face is now actually usable. Yeah, I really love all the changes. Um, I like the fact that all of the apps have this overhauled UI and it's a consistent UI as well, mm. which is really going to help third-party mm. apps because they can now take the cues from that. And um, that's sort of the, always the thing the Apple Watch has been lacking. You know, Force Touch was once in the mix and that was a big part of it, but then that went away, but then there were no real changes to how you interact with the device. And so now the idea of these pages that you scroll through and that's indicated by dots near the crown, and then you get these big circular icons, nice big buttons that are easy to press on a tiny screen. I think it's perfect. Um, and I love <laughs> the way that the app layout now is also way better. Um, it, it makes far more sense now to organize your apps. It's so much better. I couldn't believe that the difference they made on such a small device because it's such a tiny face. It's, it's got such a tiny area to work with. And yet now, it was smart stacks really, it was another one of those ones in the build up when I, because I have never done the beaters. I'm not man enough to do that. But um, I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand the benefit it was going to be. And then suddenly using it, when I put it on the watch last week, it's like, wow, it's just made the watch feel brand new and more useful than ever. I'm actually enjoying using yeah. the device now by itself. Oh, I agree. Um, I think it's I think it's probably the best so you know software update and probably the most comprehensive software update they've done for years. Mm. Um, and uh, the only thing that I don't like, I do have to say I don't like it, is uh, Control Center. Because it feels like a pointless thing to have for a whole button, an entire button. I mean, that could be an action button. Um, I know that would eat into mm, the Apple Watch mm. Ultra, but surely there's something that that button could be used for that's a little bit more useful than control center of all things. I hadn't thought that. Yeah, you're right. Because that side button now, that's all it launches, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and now, okay, and I can kind open of dead it from space. inside an app. But how often mm. do I need to open Control Center from inside an Apple Watch app? Almost never. There's, there's been, I'm not, I'm not sure I can blame it on Apple Watch or not. I've had something buggy in the evenings. Uh, I'm a, I, any TV I watch is virtually all through Apple TV. So uh, it's, I either watch Apple TV. I know, I know we've had this discussion before. You're not much of an Apple TV watcher. But the content I watch, I either watch YouTube through Apple TV. There's an app on Apple TV. And I do watch a lot of YouTube and all sorts of content on there. Originals, as I say, and also I've got Sky, which is one of our satellite providers here in the UK. I've, I did a beta test for that, so I can watch Sky through Apple TV as well. But what's been happening, suddenly the audio will just pause, and it's almost as if, because I've enabled the double-tap thing through accessibility on my watch, and I'm not sure if it's when I'm moving my hand, it's doing, but the, the, the audio just stops and I have to reboot Apple TV. I've updated the, the software on that as well, so it's not everything bang up to date but something is weird going on i haven't seen anybody else mention it so i've got a feeling it's something's happening just to me i've got to try and pinpoint where it is but i'm still mm. I, every time you and i speak even if it's on twitter and we're talking podcasts i can't help but mention the fact that you listen to podcasts it's 1.75 or two times <laughs> <laughs> i don't know anybody else that does that how does the content make sense still because you just yeah you just do it gradually another example of this is if you do like tracking speed yeah. with your cursor yeah. if you if you increase the tracking speed all the way you're going to not be able to click anything yeah but if you increase it a little bit you know a week at a time you can do it 
Again, I've never tried it. I, every time I see it at the bottom of the screen, it's you that I think of every time. It sounds terrible now. I read your tweets. I'm following you about um, playing uh, playback speeds on on podcasts. I really need to. I need to get a life, don't I? I need to stop. <laughs> I'm grateful someone's reading my tweets. How busy is it this week for you at, at Mac Rumors then? Is it, uh, how long does that sort of swell carry on? Is it beginning to taper down? Because we're also... Uh, uh, yeah, I felt this week, um, uh, today, I suppose, today we're recording on a Tuesday. Yeah. And when was the event? Uh, Look, you know, nearly two, two weeks, weeks ago, ago yeah. now. It was two point. weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, uh, and uh, I, I, I think it is slowing down a little bit, but there's still so much content to write. Um, you know, I've been writing a lot of comparisons with different devices today. I published an iPhone 13 Pro versus 15 Pro article, and there's um, over 50 differences between those devices. So that's quite interesting to highlight. Because of course, that's one of but, your you know, the bulk of the stuff is over now. It, yeah, I mean, we we, we all, we're also news hungry and it gets to this peak and it, it comes and it's this massive flow of news that goes on for a few days either side of the event and certainly the few days after the event and then it suddenly feels flat which is really unfair because i mean we, there's still quite a strong possibility that it looks like they're going to be holding another event in october anyway which we're assuming is probably going to be maybe the imac is refreshed i think that's the one they're rumoring most at the moment isn't it i I'm not sure how I feel about October at this point because uh, if I had to come down on one side of the argument, I would say there will be no event. Oh, right. Um, will there be anything released this year? Maybe. But even that, I'm now not 100% sure about. Um, there are things that you think they possibly should be able to release, like a next-generation iPad Air. Mm -hmm. We've heard quite a bit about that. Then there's some sort of wild cards, like a new iPad mini. They seem quite unlikely. They're not from particularly reliable sources. Um, and then there's stuff like the uh, iMac refresh, which has been rumored for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. And possibly some refreshes of the 13-inch MacBook Pro and uh, the two MacBook Air models. But then there's a lot of reasons why that might not happen. You know, the MacBook Air, the 15-inch model only just came out in June. Um, and we've got reliable sources like Ming-Chi Kuo saying he's not expecting any M3 Macs to come this year. Mm. So it... it I'm. I'm. If there is something, it probably won't be at an event. It will probably be via press release. Press release. Um, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I, we we might have more on that in the next couple of weeks. Because those comparisons that you were just talking about—that's very much one of your areas at Mac Rumors, isn't it? Whenever you go onto Mac Rumors and look at the comparisons, they tend to be you that written them. So that's obviously an area that, because having spoken with you before, I know you've all got your own sort of niches within what you look to report on, and those comparisons are very much your area, aren't they? Yeah, people love them. Um, people just um, really like to see all the differences between the devices because mm. Apple has a comparison tool for the iPhone, at least, um, that ostensibly lets you compare different devices, but mm -hmm. it doesn't include loads of the features. So stuff like um, on the iPhone 15, it doesn't mention the anti-reflective coating. It doesn't mention the larger sensor for the main camera. Um, so there's always stuff that they don't uh, include any details about. Mm. So what I try and do is really provide a comprehensive list of every feature you get. That must take a um, lot of work. Between the devices. A lot of work. Um, it doesn't take that long because what you do is you combine uh, the uh, what Apple do tell you in the comparison table with what they mention in the press release that isn't in the comparison table, right. and then what they mention in the event. And then, obviously, when the tidbits start to come out in the subsequent days, so stuff like um, uh, the USB-C support for 
um, uh, external um, uh, displays. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to things like the uh, the eighty percent battery thing we were talking about, that didn't come out until about a week later. So then I add all of that stuff as well, and then you know you've got it, um, mm-hmm. and you get a, a really good sense of all the differences. Um, and so they they tend to be really popular throughout the year. They're always a winner um, for page views and um, interest. So yeah, that's that's one of the main things I dig into after the event. But the, the thing that's so good about them from sort of our point of view is it just makes everything so black and white you can just go into there look at it and everything's laid out for you just in a column view and you can see right i'm not getting that i'm getting that blah 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 blah. and it's just so easy to read through and see what the up the benefits would be of upgrading and what are the main benefits i'm going to get by switching to a new phone or so and so i think i can absolutely see why they're as popular as they are because they're really useful to read really useful to read I do always get slated in the comments for my, for my uh, conclusions, I will say, because what happens is um, if I say, oh, this is a really big upgrade, you should upgrade, then I get comments saying, oh, you're shilling for Apple. But if I say it's not a big upgrade, you shouldn't get a new device. They say, but this is a huge upgrade. You and I both know that we're in the wrong area because lovely people that we write for, make videos for, make content for, and I count both of us amongst them, we are geeks. And the problem with geeks is, you say one thing and you make one tiny little mistake and you can be sure that you're going to get picked up on it. And I mean, what you were talking about there clearly was opinions, but even so, it's one of those things, we, we tread a fine line because people are just waiting for us to make a mistake. And the minute you do, ugh, and I try to go back and fact check things as best I can, but the speed you and, I mean, you don't seem to make many mistakes, but the, the, the speed we turn content out at, oh, I don't all know. errors do slip through, don't they? They're bound to. Oh, they always do. They always do. Um, that's why, as much as I don't really like to read the comment section all the time, if the comment's not particularly nice, it's always worth reading mm. because um, people will, you know, just in a friendly way, point out that you've got something wrong. And it happens. I mean, you know, when I'm trawling through 50 new features, over 50 new features for the iPhone 15 Pro, you know, I might get the F-stop wrong on one of the cameras or something. <laughs> and they'll it's pick just, up on it. They'll pick it up happens. on it. <laughs> yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. Actually, I had a little play. You were talking about the portrait mode there with the F-stops and so on. I did have a play with that at the weekend, and that is fantastic, isn't it? It was so clever the way you can alter the, the focal point after the after the fact. It's amazingly good. Yeah, I love that, and it's and it's actually a feature, a photography feature that I know I'll use. You know, this other stuff like recording in log, mm-hmm. I would have used it years ago. You know, I don't really do any video production anymore, so these things, oh, I think they're nice, but I'm not going to use them. But mm-hmm. this I will use because I I mainly use my iPhone to take in, in portrait mode all the time, even if I'm taking a picture of. Um, you know, not necessarily a person, but just an object or a pet or whatever. Um, I just, I love portrait mode. Um, yeah, so do I. I always have done it. Uh, so uh, this is really one of those features that I really feel is is one of the ones for me. Because I took a couple of photos on Sunday with, and as I was taking it, it was very much that in mind. I had a person very much in centre focus, but I then played around with it in the evening on s- some trees just to one side of him. And it, it was just amazing how quick and easy it was to do. It was, it was so, so good to use. One of my favourite features I found using the phone, and I need to spend more time with the cameras. I haven't spent enough time with them. And, and I agree with what you said about log. I mean, I won't use it all the time. I just felt that this week it was a, an experiment worth doing as much as anything to see how that file transfer was. And that's something I, I haven't seen anybody really mention yet, but it, it, it's just so, so good. Um, but I need to spend more time with the cameras for sure. What's um, the new iPad OS been like? Has that improved things for you at all? Stage manager, any more useful yet? Or it's 
it, it's stage manager is better, um, but I have to say I've sort of given up on the iPad at this point. Mm. Um, it, it, I just I wouldn't want to be without one mm -hmm. um, because I enjoy it as a as an addition to my Mac, and I do use it every day for work. Or but it is the um, I what I do is um, I have it uh, to the right hand side of my monitor, and I split screen uh, my task manager and uh, my uh, music. Um, and then I, I just like the album artwork up there. I yep. can, you know, just skip tracks. It's really easy. But that is not, you know, it's not a pro thing. Um, you know, if I ever, I don't know, I watch a film in bed or I'm traveling, you know, then that's when I when I use it. But I don't, I don't do any work on my iPad. I always, for years, I've wanted to believe that I can, but I'm just sort of over it at this point. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Just use your Mac. It's better at it. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like a desktop. I like files. I like drag and drop. I I'm old school, and certainly the kind of work I do, which majority is video or audio editing, you need that screen size. And again, you know, I know they bought Final Cut and and Logic to iPad this year, and I've never been a Logic or Final Cut user. I'm an Adobe person, so it didn't really help me either which way. But the people I've spoken to that tried it, it was like the opinion was almost, well, yeah, we can do it. But just because he can doesn't mean we want to or would. Does Dan doesn't edit your podcast on the iPad, does he? No, no, I don't think he's been very impressed with Final Cut <laughs> or Logic. You know, for someone that for someone that complained for years, saying that's what I want, I don't think he actually uses it at all now. He does make me laugh, does Dan? You and him have got a great podcast going on. It's such a good double act, and it's just his languid, laid back way of thinking. Nah, that that can wait. It, nothing seems to really ruffle them. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's, and, that's just, that's Dan. And, and, and since we last spoke, of course, also you and the Mac Rumors team all went over to the States. Wasn't that back in May time, May, June time? Yeah, that was May. Um, that's the first time the whole team was there. Because um, I know there'd been some meetups before and obviously COVID was in between, but yeah. So was it, it, was a, every it was a big anniversary, was it 20 years or something, wasn't it? Some anniversary remarking. No, we weren't marking any sort of anniversary. The the uh, Mac Rumors twentieth anniversary was in twenty twenty, right? So that was a few years ago now. But yeah, it was just it was because um, there, initially we were saying, you know, shall we go out to um, San Jose for Cooper um, uh, for um, WWDC? But then we were saying, well, it's such a busy time of year, you know, we can't mm. really enjoy mm. ourselves at the same time. So why don't we why don't we do the enjoying ourselves bit um, earlier in the year? Um, when it's quieter in May, because May's always a you know a pretty quiet year, and obviously there was no March event this year. Yep. Um, it's been a quiet year for Apple releases as a whole. So yeah, we thought you know, um, well we'd rather go to Disneyland. It's <laughs> <laughs> a no-brainer, isn't it? Really, go to work, go yeah. to WWDC or Disneyland. I don't know which one I would have chosen. And yeah, I'm guessing yeah. easy, easy other, one. Other than Dan, who you see every week, I'm guessing that's the first time you'd actually met the rest of the team, right? Uh, I've I'd met uh, my uh, editor in chief Eric, who who keeps everything running behind the scenes all day every day. You don't you don't see his name in a lot of articles, mm -hmm. but he's behind everything that goes on. So I had met him when he was uh, over in London last year, um, but I hadn't actually met anyone else because, of course, we're we're all so far apart. Mm -hmm. Even my uh, colleague Tim, who's in the UK, he's up in Edinburgh. Oh, so, so yeah, he's you know he's not very easy for me to meet up with either. Yeah, so was, yeah, I mean, it's the way it works, it's all, well, that's part of the reason it's so successful because you are also spread out. There's always somebody available to get the news as it's breaking and get it up on the site. So but you're saying you're now beginning to feel that it's just quietening down a little bit. Is that now when you'll start to really get into the weeds of the devices and start to go through 
the comparisons and begin to really pull apart all of the details. Now the headlines have gone and the need to get content out quickly presumably now gives you the time just to calmly go through things, right? To some extent, although I'll be honest, what my approach is, and I think the approach for a lot of us is, what's next? Because, um, you know, we're in the rumors game. So yeah. we're, you know, I, I'm, I'm today I was on Weibo trawling through Chinese social media and I found a nice little um, scrap of information that the iPhone uh, 16 or Apple devices released next year will have thinner circuit boards, tiny little tidbit. Um, but I was really happy with that mm, and got an mm. article out about it. So that's sort of, we're always on to the next thing. You know, what I want to talk about is the iPhone 16. I don't want to think about the 15 anymore, which I know is really bad, <laughs> I saw, but it's like, uh, I did see my first. That's where my, my head is. I, yeah. saw my first, I think I saw, look at, looked at Mac Trust today, I think was the site, but I saw something about uh, iPhone 16. So I remember that was the case last year. The minute this comes out, we're on to the next thing. It's time to move on. So, and and people get annoyed with us because you know when we publish say something about iPhone 16, uh, you know in the week of um, the iPhone 15 launch, all the comments every year is always, "Hang on, you know I've only just ordered yeah, my, yeah, my yeah. iPhone 15." Let me enjoy but, this. You know. <laughs> Some people like it because if you're wondering whether to uh, to make the jump this year or next, mm -hmm. if you have a sense of what's coming next year, it is important to remember that not everyone is upgrading this year. No. And some people are holding out for the 16. So if you want to know whether it's worth it, you know, there is that information out there now. And we do have a fairly good sense of what to expect already with the iPhone 16. I hate to say it, but we do. Go on in. Go on in. Lay it out for us. Give it to us. What are we expecting? Give us some headlines on the 16. Okay. So we're expecting bigger displays for the Pro models, um, mm -hmm. uh, which we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, so the devices will be bigger. We are expecting the smaller Pro to get that Tetra Prism uh, 5X camera. We are expecting uh, the A18 chip, but in the standard models, the A17 will be a different chip. It will be specially designed for the standard models to cut costs, actually. Um, and we are expecting a new button on the other side of the device, a capacitive button, um, something called ah. at the moment internally a capture button. Now, we're not quite sure right. what it does. I've heard some things that it might relate to peak and pop functionality, um, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, we, we, we just don't know. But obviously, Apple's interested in, in new buttons. We're expecting mm -hmm. it to be capacitive. It will be a haptic button, and maybe the action button will also be going haptic. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's just some of the stuff. There, there, there are other things. Um, camera improvements, of course. Uh, many of the again, cameras again, from the, yeah. you know, from the uh, 14 Pro on the standard, on the slightly smaller Pro model, are the same on the mm -hmm. 15 Pro, as I mentioned. Finally, seeing some improvements there. Uh, maybe a bigger sensor. Um, some of Sony's newer sensor technology. Um, so, yeah, uh, there, there's always, always more. And I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I know that the new Pro, the 17 Pro we've got in, in the Pro phones is supposed to be quicker, but the 14 wasn't exactly sluggish. I, I'm, I can't notice any difference in speed. I don't know about you. I don't play games on it. I know there's, that's a whole thing they've unearthed, but games just aren't my thing. But I haven't noticed any difference in speed, really, have you? No, I've noticed no differences at all. But I, no. I, I'm <laughs> fascinated by what's happened with Apple's chips. This is sort of my weird niche. I just love talking about this stuff because I don't think it really worked out how Apple wanted it to um, this year. And what, what we were expecting because this, the, what they've given us in the A17 was what they originally wanted the A16 to be. Um, mm. And 
everything fell through. So this new GPU was originally designed for the A16, and the A16 was originally supposed to be 3 nanometer. Even the right. 3 nanometer process they are using is not the um, the widely used 3 nanometer. It's like a prototype version, which is why they are going to use a different process for the standard models A17 next year. That's why it's A17 Pro. That's what the Pro name means. It means that next year there's (laughs) going to be a different A17 that is made in a completely different way. And it's just because they're a year behind with their chip technology. So you mentioned that the displays are going to be bigger next year and the the nomenclature of the chip name itself. Do you think there's going to be an Ultra next year then? Because that was one of the rumours that was going around this year, wasn't it? The, the, The Pro Max is going to be the Ultra. So with those new screens does that fit in with the whole idea of there being an ultra maybe i mean it's been a while since we've heard about this um it was uh reliable sources like mark german that were coming out with this saying that it would actually now be next year that we could expect a new pro model to be added above these devices so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be in place of the new 6.9 inch device it would be a whole new thing a bit like the Over apple above. watch ultra um a completely mm-hmm. different product line but mm-hmm. we haven't heard anything else about it and what I will say is that all the rumors that were saying that this year they would rename the Pro Max to the Ultra, I have reason to believe that that was something seeded by Apple to uncover the identity of leakers. So, ah, <laughs> uh, see, so they, they, they let it out to a certain areas, and then they, if it came out, they knew who was leaking it. Yeah, I think that's what happened this year. But then I do trust Mark. So, but he hasn't mentioned it for so long. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that pro model would even feature um, because no, what I mean, can they... pro can it be? Yeah, I mean, maybe it can have extra cameras <laughs> um, for, you know, integration with uh, Vision Pro. Maybe they can give it a more powerful chip. Maybe they give it Thunderbolts. Um, yeah. There are things they could do, but do they really want to make it more complicated without a real basic quality of life feature? Um, you know, they, and it's a foldable or something, you know, I don't really care. No, but but it, it, we're saying it's more pro than the pro in essence, and yet you're now able to record in log on an iPhone. I mean, how much more professional do you possibly want to get, right? Yeah. So but I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll find it was out. Interesting, it was interesting what you just said, though, that Apple possibly let that out as a little bit of a whistleblower thing, because, again, something I wrote recently, I, I was of the opinion that Apple are so good at this game, they will let out just enough information through the year to wet appetites, to get the press columns, to fill videos. But they are the, if they want to keep something to themselves, like they did last year with the Watch Ultra, they're more than capable of doing it, aren't they? I know it's hard with the phones because there's a wider supplier chain, but I'm sure they are in control of everything and nothing will convince me otherwise. They definitely do like to seed little bits of information, but I do think more comes out than they are comfortable with. You think... Um, yeah, are quite a lot more. I mean, they they do um, they you know they do initiate litigation often enough over it. Right. So I assume that you know, for example, when there's like Apple Car stuff um, or mm. stuff related to the headset beforehand, and they get very litigious. Mm. So it, it does happen, um, but they definitely do see those little those little fake rumors, um, and then we find out afterwards um, uh, in various yeah, ways that it looks like that's what happens. Now, you and I haven't actually spoken since uh, Apple Vision came out. Um, What are you going to do? Will you be trying to get your hands on a pair next year or not? I mean, I don't don't think I'd love to, but the money, it's just so much money. I'd love to try it um, and that that, that will, I will probably buy one with the intention of returning it. 
but I might love it. You know, maybe I'll keep it. I don't know. That's the risk. My, That's the risk. I, I just have a suspicion that it is a, basically a, an iPad on your face and a really good iPad. Right. But I think that the actual productive mm. abilities of it are not going to be really more than an iPad. So it's not going to be better a productive task than a Mac. And why would I use an external display that's an inch away from my eyes when I can just use a perfectly good studio display that's far better for my eyes and doesn't make me all sweaty? So, mm. you know, I, I want to try it, but we'll see. Oddly, you're not on their advertising. You, you haven't got a strap line on their adverts, have you? No. <laughs> why are you something that makes me sweaty? <laughs> By Hartley Charles yeah. and Mac Rumors. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. As you know, I, I wrote a lot about it, made a lot of videos about it because I've teamed up with Marcus early in the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was deeply impressed by it. And I, I'm really excited about the, the roads and routes they're opening up and the, the possibilities that are going to be coming on from, from it. But I just don't know if it's for me right now. And of course, we're not even getting, they still haven't had a release date. They said early 2024, which we know is under the States and Canada, I think. Yeah. So that's where it's and, starting. And it probably will be a little while before it still comes over to us. And you'll need to be fitted for it in mm. an Apple store. So it's not going to be an easy yeah, thing. It's not yeah. going to be really an online purchase. You are going to need to at some point go and work out what kind of light seal you need. So the whole thing's pretty complicated. And by then we'll have M3. Mm. Um, and we will be wondering, why do I want to buy an M2 device <laughs> when, you know, I'm buying my M3 Mac? Um, so, you know, yeah. wait for the second generation is probably stop. the policy for a lot of us. And before letting you go, Apple Battersea, what a lovely store. It's for people yeah. outside of London and UK, they're the flagship store in London, uh, in Old Power Station. Hardy's written about it, uh, I know. and uh, But it's a beautiful store, isn't it? It's a lovely store. My, I went to Apple Store, Regent Street, the week before last. I was in London. Um, but the Battersea store is just gorgeous, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, it's got some sort of style with it. It just makes it feel really, not bohemian, but it, it's got an elegance to it. I love it. And it's this new style of Apple store. So eventually we should see all of the stores in the UK, even the dingiest, worst ones should eventually take some cues from that store with the, that sort of modular design with these wooden panels that slot in the displays and they can change them around through the year. They've got, they brought the genius bar back. Yeah. Um, and crucially, of course, it takes on uh, the, the design of the original building, um, and which to some extent they've done in Regent Street as well, which is really nice. Um, but... Mm -hmm. It's mainly, say, in the States or, you know, they've done it in Italy as well, um, where they, they sort of try and preserve the building. I mean, some of the Apple stores in the UK, maybe you wouldn't want to preserve the, the original <laughs> building, but, you know, you get what I mean. Yeah, I do. And that's, it's got a lovely feeling to it. I'm so glad because I think you went there for the opening day, didn't you? Yes, I was. And I think I went up there that weekend, so I just missed the, the sort of the hoopla because I know they had quite a few events going on. But yeah, lovely store. But... Hartley, it's been way too long since having a chat with you. So um, thank you for making time this week. So, I mean, it's just good that it's got to the back end of all the really heavy, heavy workload for you. So but thank you so much for making time and chatting. Don't forget, Hartley will be back on with Dan this week. Got plenty to talk about on Mac Rumours. That goes up for us in the UK Fridays, around about lunchtime yes. normally. Yeah. And uh, it's available as an audio podcast. If you're a beast like Hartley, you'll listen to it at three times speed. So you can get through it in about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Hartley, thank you so much for making time. It's great catch up with you again, my friend. Really good. Thank you. Enjoy your phone. Speak to you very soon. Cheers. Cheers.